Marion County keeping its mask mandate for another two weeks. We'll hear from Mayor Hogsett and get reaction from Council Republicans and Indiana Congressman Dr. Larry Bouchon. Plus controversy in Congress over the January 6th commission. We'll hear from Senator Mike Braun and more of my interview with Congressman Andre Carson. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. Just one week now until the Indy 500 and about two weeks away from the end of Indy's mask mandate. We'll talk with Congressman Larry Bouchon about the path out of this pandemic. But first, Justin Kolar starts our coverage with a look at what Indy's mayor and Republican counselors are saying now. We, if we're going to follow the science, let's follow the science. The CDC issued new guidance last week, saying fully vaccinated people no longer need to wear masks. Large cities and states have also dropped their mask mandates, but Indianapolis, specifically Marion County, will hold on until June 7th. June 7th would get us beyond one of the largest events, if not the largest event in the world. The Indy 500, which will allow 135,000 masked individuals to gather in Marion County. How is it that the, the risk of the virus spread is less in the Donut Counties than it is in Marion County? It, it doesn't, it's not a magic line that when you cross it, all of a sudden you're at more of a risk. Mayor Hogsett says the risk outweighs the reward and masking a little bit longer will be better in the long run. The positivity rate in Indianapolis is above 5%. In cities like Chicago and New York, it's around 3%. The long story short, it gives us two and a half more weeks to see where we are at that time uh, and therefore make a, 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 a more informed and better decision about going forward. But Republicans aren't convinced. I have a very strong hesitation to agreeing to go two and a half weeks, and then we'll lift the mask mandate. And now they're taking matters into their own hands. Let's let the people decide how they live their lives. All right, that was Justin Kola reporting. In a statement, Council President Bob Osley said the council will await further guidance from local health officials regarding changes to the existing orders and take action if and when it's appropriate. Now, this week, we also heard from Marion County Health Director, Dr. Virginia Kane. This welcome news for our community does not mean that the end of the pandemic is here yet. Our progress gives us hope that there's light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, but we can't be blindsided by, by the light. A number of other capacity changes in the works come June 7th. We have all of that listed on our website. Again, Indies Council meets on Monday, June 7th, two weeks from tomorrow. In the meantime, mask mandates and vaccine hesitancy are still a big topic in the nation's capital. And this week I spoke with an Indiana congressman who's also a doctor, Representative Larry Bouchon. I asked him about that decision in Indy to keep the mask mandate in place another two weeks. Should they eliminate those mandates now as opposed to two weeks from now? Yeah, well, first of all, I think the guidance from the CDC was a long time coming. I mean, if you look at the history of vaccination uh, for all kinds of diseases, you know, once you're adequately vaccinated, you don't catch the disease, but you also don't spread it. And so I think uh, there was a little bit of political in influence there uh, along the way. And uh, I think that's unfortunate, but I think it's good that they've done that. The mask mandate has been removed. 
because of the scientific data, right? The medical facts. You know, I'm not going to comment on whether local communities like Indianapolis or certain counties or loca locales uh, or even certain businesses decide whether or not they follow the guidelines. I, I would hope that they would. But I totally understand that, you know, there's local issues involved and I'll leave that up to the local leaders. You and others in, in the GOP uh, caucus, the doctor's caucus, have called for those mandates uh, to expire in the halls of, of Congress. Some members yes. were, were fined this week for not wearing their masks. How do you and the other doctors in that caucus manage that dynamic right now? Are you, are you still wearing one on the House floor? Yes, I wear my mask on the House floor because at this point, that's the rule on the House floor uh, directed through the Speaker's office. And I think it's incumbent on us to uh, follow the rules that are in place. That said, I, you know, yesterday, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, and 20 of us from the doctor's caucus did a privileged resolution on the House floor uh, re requesting that Speaker Pelosi follow CDC guidelines. I'm hopeful that she will. Her reasoning is because some members aren't vaccinated on both sides of the aisle, uh, I, I suspect. But that's not a good reason because, you know, at this point, every member and staff have had access to vaccines. If they choose not to get one, that's their decision. But the rest of us shouldn't be wearing masks uh, because of that decision that they have made. I mean, when does this end, right? When do you take away the mask mandate? Because a percentage of the American people, maybe 20%, probably will never be, get vaccinated. So we all, we all can't continue to wear masks because people make a personal choice. Let's talk about that vaccine hesitancy. You and others in the doctor's caucus recently put together a PSA encouraging people uh, to get vaccinated. Will this new guidance from the CDC, do you think, encourage more people to get the vaccine? Well, I think it will, yes, because I think there'll be uh, situations where people's employers will uh, start to encourage it or maybe even mandate that. And so I think when it comes down to uh, the personal decision, people have to decide whether they want to go back to work or whether they want to get the vaccine. I think the government's not going to drive that. I don't believe the federal government should be mandating that the citizens of the United States get the vaccine. You think We're employers should be able to do so? Well, that's, a, that's up to them. Again, like I said earlier, uh, as it relates to the mask mandate, I think it's completely up to them. I think that, and uh, some will make that decision. You know, hospitals for years have mandated that you have the flu vaccine if you're going to work in the in the hospital. So, but, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that people will uh, get the vaccine. I think one of the things that would help is if we can get final FDA approval, not just emergency use authorization for the vaccines. And I know Pfizer has recently uh, completed uh, their process to get final approval. And I think that will help. I, I also want to ask about the January 6th commission. Yeah. Uh, nearly every Republican member of the Indiana delegation voted against this 9-11-style uh, commission, including the, the former VP's brother, Congressman Pence. Why did you vote against it? And, and how do you respond to Democrats who say the GOP is trying to, in their words, whitewash the events of that day? Well, first of all, I mean, it's being compared to the 9-11 commission on purpose by the Democrats and Speaker Pelosi, because, of course, 9-11, we were attacked by terrorists, and there's no one out there that doesn't think that we should have investigated why uh, we were open to being attacked by terrorists. This would, isn't, isn't the same thing. Would you not describe this as some form of domestic terrorism? Well, I mean, it, it, I think it probably was a domestic insurgency, and that's different than terrorism, uh, because the goal was by the people that attacked the Capitol to prevent pres you know, President Biden from becoming president by 
stopping the uh, process uh, that was happening where we were certifying the electoral college votes. By the way, uh, I did not vote for the objections. I voted to certify the election because I thought it was my constitutional duty and so did Vice President Pence. So I think what has happened with this commission is we've gotten to a point where Speaker Pelosi has agreed to have the same number of appointees from Democrats and Republicans, but she maintained that the majority would appoint the staff, including the staff director and other staff members in consultation with the minority. But what that means is that the entire staff of this commission will be appointed by the Democrats. And the other thing is, is it clearly outlines in, uh, in the bill that the administration will have some of its agencies engaged in the process. And of course, it's controlled by Democrats. So, you know, I think Speaker Pelosi put this up in, in its current form for political reasons. And uh, you saw 175 Republicans vote against it for that reason. We want a balanced, fair, uh, accountable uh, commission that gets to the facts. Uh, and I'm not afraid of the facts. I, I want the facts. And I think the American people do too. All right, that's Congressman Larry Bouchon. Meantime, Representative Trey Hollingsworth was the only Republican from Indiana to vote for this bipartisan commission. In a statement, he said, an assault on police anywhere is an assault on police everywhere, and I will absolutely investigate attacks on our officers to the full ex extent. I'll always uphold the rule of law and defend our men and women in blue. So he says, in his words, we're left with two choices, a bipartisan commission with an equal number of Republicans and Democrats, or in his words, a Pelosi commission focused on repeating the media's narrative. Hollingsworth saying, quote, that's an easy choice for me. Indiana Democrats were critical of the GOP stance. My Republican colleagues, you know, they were elected on the same ballot. Um, why aren't they objecting to their own wins last year? And why are they propping up a failed president who lost in the House, uh, the Senate and the White House? And they continue to stick by a person who has shown that loyalty is a one-way street with him and, and, and would throw uh, any one of them under the bus if it met his objectives. Now, in a statement after Wednesday's vote, Carson added, many of my Republican colleagues are trying to gaslight Americans about what happened on January 6th. Don't buy it. He says it's an attempt to evade accountabilities for the, for the accountability for the party's embrace of Trump's big lie. Next, this proposal to form a commission heads to the Senate where its passage seems unlikely. I spoke this week with Indiana Senator Mike Braun. We've had all kinds of committee meetings on it. It's probably the most publicized incident that's occurred since I've been here. I think it's been sensationalized a little bit and trying to generalize broader than what occurred that day. In a statement, the Indiana Democratic Party said Hoosiers are witnessing a political party show them American democracy and national security are values they no longer carry as elected officials. They say this vote reveals Republicans have lost their identity and that their blind partisanship has no limits. We'll talk with our panel about it next. Plus, we're going to hear from Governor Eric Holcomb next on his lawsuit against the General Assembly and his legal battle with Attorney General Todd Rokita. We'll talk with our panel about that as well. And more deadly crime in Indianapolis. We'll talk with our panel about the mayor's handling of this year's record-breaking violence next. All right, what's the latest with that lawsuit between the governor and the General Assembly? Governor Holcomb answered questions from the media after an event this week. Here's what he had to say. If I wasn't confident, I wouldn't have filed it. Uh, look, I took an oath uh, to uphold and support the Indiana State Constitution, and so I feel like I have no other uh, responsibility, quite frankly, than to do just that. 
The governor this week filing a legal response to Attorney General Todd Rokita, who denied the governor permission for outside counsel on this case. Rokita's been in the news a lot in recent days, too, weighing in on multiple hot-button issues that have come up in conservative media circles in recent weeks, from an investigation into big tech to the debate over critical race theory and the fallout from the 2020 election. We're going to talk about it all now with our panel, Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, Tony Samuel. We start with Jennifer Wagner, the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. Jennifer, your thoughts not just on this legal battle, but also the approach that the attorney general has been charting here since taking office, state Democrats uh, saying that they believe he's trying to set himself up for a run for governor. I think that that is probably an accurate uh, representation of what Todd Rakita is doing. And this is what Todd Rakita has always done. Uh, I don't envy Tony or Mike uh, having to weigh in on this intra-party skirmish. But look, Todd Rakita is someone who is always seeking the spotlight, always looking to talk about things that are quite honestly outside the realm of his role. And I, I feel a great deal of empathy for Governor, Governor Holcomb. He is trying to do what's right. He did what was right or what we thought was right, you know, for the most part in the moment over the last 15 months to keep our state where it needed to be during the pandemic. And now Todd Rakita just wants to go out there and, and make a spectacle of it. It's really quite disappointing. Well, let's turn to Tony Samuel, 2016 vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign. Uh, Tony, y your thoughts on this dynamic playing out here in the party? Well, you know, my first thought is, uh, what do they say about karma? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a word I can't say on TV. And uh, I think, again, uh, there were plenty of us that expected this kind of clash to take place. Maybe not this soon and, 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 and at, at this uh, kind of high level uh, on an issue like this. But it's five months in. These uh, two offices are, are going at it. And I think you're going to see this kind of thing for the next three and a half years. I'm not sure who wins this. They both... Um, got you know some valid points. It's a, a constitutional issue and a, versus a, a statutory itch issue. Uh, Attorney General Rokita thinks he's got the the um, power given to him by the legislature to make this kind of decision, and the governor uh, and the governor's attorneys say that he doesn't, uh, and that it has to be decided by the okay. courts. Um, I think this one's going to go quite a while because there'll I think there'll be appeals uh, as well. So we'll see what happens. Former state party chair Robin Winston played a key role in the Biden-Harris campaign. Robin, uh, what's your response to this whole situation? Uh, it looks like Republicans fighting Republicans, uh, Dan. Um, and I'm not going to get in the middle of that squabble. Meanwhile, issues that matter at the kitchen table aren't being addressed. I've never seen a governor proclaimed a lame duck governor so early in this term. I mean, this guy's only been governor a few months. His attorney general is already taking him on. There's already infighting in the party. Meanwhile, we're trying to figure out how to get around the North 70 split so we can get that kind of thing resolved. Those are the more tangible issues that affect the uh, Another big issue that came up this week, of course, uh, unemployment benefits, the governor uh, rolling back some of those uh, federal benefits this week. Uh, let's check in finally here with former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Mike, what do you make of the way the attorney general has handled himself uh, so far? And, and what say you also of your fellow Republicans uh, serving Indiana in Congress, uh, re rejecting this January 6th commission this past week? Well, the, the uh, media, the public relations, the marketing strategy comes right out of uh, Dan Burton deja vu all over again, frankly. Um, there, you know, Burton never saw an issue that didn't merit a press release. I don't know if this current attorney general will start shooting watermelons in his backyard or not, but um, I think he's following the same the same model. It's really a battle, uh, Dan, between populists and conservatives. 
Eric Holcomb is a conservative. The people opposing him are populists. Those are two, two philosophies of politics that really uh, do not mesh. And uh, I'll stick with Holcomb. Jennifer, what about this January 6th uh, commission? Your, your thoughts on, on Congressman Trey Hollingsworth's vote for the commission and, and others like Congressman Greg Pence voting against it? Yeah, I was, I was honestly pleasantly surprised um, to see Congressman Hollingsworth's vote. Um, look, nobody, Democrats or Republicans, wants to keep talking about Donald Trump or honestly talking about what happened on that day. Those images are seared in our collective conscience as a nation, but we owe it to those officers. We owe it to our elected officials. We owe it to ourselves as a nation to find out what happened, to thoroughly investigate in a public forum so that we can protect our democracy. That was a terrifying day. And you know, to whitewash it, to cover over it, I get it. Again, nobody wants to talk about Donald Trump. Certainly I don't, but this merits a full investigation. It merits the full commission. Tony, your response to that? Sure. Uh, again, there's good points on both sides. There has to be an investigation. There has to be an independent, uh, fair, transparent commission. I, I agree with uh, Congressman Bouchon's uh, points on that this doesn't look like it's going to be. So, you know, the, the conservatives, the Republicans, most of them, think this is a trap, just like the impeachment trials and, and the Russian collusion fake investigation for, for all of those years. But, uh, you know, uh, Congressman Hollingsworth has a point. If not this, then there's going to be something worse as far as an investigation. There's a lot to, to get to the bottom of, but there's also a lot to get to the bottom of, and you talk about terrifying, the riots that took place all over the country, big cities and small, uh, last summer and into the fall. And, and, uh, and there, if there's going to be any kinds of investigations on January 6th, there's got to be on these riots because these things were organized. That Yes, a lot of it was peaceful, but a lot of it wasn't. There was over 2,000 police officers injured, uh, over 30 people killed, uh, thousands okay. injured throughout the country, and, and that needs to be investigated as well. Let's talk about some big headlines here in the, in the city of Indianapolis this week. The city continuing to deal with, with record-breaking homicide numbers, uh, as we've seen. Also, the mask mandate extended another couple of weeks. It likely, though, ends on, on June 7th. Uh, Robin, your, your views on the mayor's handling of these situations? Well, first off, he's handling them. Um, on the mass mandate, June 7th is a date that we'll all take a look at. He's listened to, to not only science, but medical reasoning and rationale about moving forward. On the crime issue, I think we need to expand this. I think we need to bring more people to the table. I think we need to make it a countywide initiative. I mean, if our community can get together and bring a Super Bowl here and enlist corporate and private and philanthropy groups all together working together, we can do the same to address this crime issue. It's bigger than just one side of town. It's bigger than just one demographic. And we need to address as a community-wide issue. I believe that the mayor will begin to do that very earnestly, very soon. Mike, your thoughts? Well, first of all, the mayor's uh, entire agenda and administration is slowly uh, falling apart. It's like a, a house built on sand. You have the, uh, the victims of the BLM riots uh, this past summer. You have uh, restaurants still not thriving in downtown Indianapolis or most of the city. And the, the latest headline is, which nobody's talked about yet, is Joe Hogsett plagiarizing Al Pacino in the movie Scent of a Woman recently. I mean, it, he, he has a law degree and four graduate degrees. There, there's, it was not an accident. It was purposeful. Now, why is this important? It's a big story. 
because Joe Biden had to leave the 1988 presidential race because he got caught by Michael Dukakis plagiarizing Neil Kinnock's speech. And then last week, the University of Southern uh, South Carolina president was forced to resign because he plagiarized Admiral McRaven's quotes. And so it is a big deal, and it's incumbent upon the mainstream media to dig into this and find out why Joe Hogsett felt he had to deceive the public. Video of that speech uh, emerging this past week alongside clips uh, of that film. We're going to be talking with our panel again here at the end of the program. Coming up next, we'll talk about how that mask mandate in Marion County is impacting next week's Indy 500. We'll hear from IMS President Doug Bowles after this. Right now we're under the current Marion County Health Department order, which is masks inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway when you're here, unless you're, you're eating or drinking. And for the most part, our fans have done a great job of doing that. I mean, I think everybody's just excited to be here. IMS President Doug Bowles there talking about masks at the Indy 500. Again, the county extending that mandate until their next council meeting June 7th, which means the mask mandate will still be in effect at the Indy 500. All right, stick around. We're back with this week's winners and losers after this. All right, the panel's back now with this week's winners and losers. Tony, you're up first. We all lose with this crime wave that's uh, hitting us, our city, and, uh, and other cities as well. But um, our hearts break for the family and friends of 12-year-old Deshaun Bills, an Arlington Middle School student who was at a sleepover at his grandmother's and was hit in the back of the head by a, a bullet from a drive-by. Tragic news there this week. Robin? Former state representative, Hurley Goodall, African-American, elected from Muncie, stellar performance in the House. The other winner for helping on this was Mike Murphy, who interceded with the governor's office to have the flags flown at half mass in his tribute. There you go. Mike, you're up next. Well, thank you, Robin. Uh, the winner has to be Trey Hollingsworth voting for the January 6th commission. The loser is definitely Kevin McCarthy. He's losing control of his caucus. Jennifer. Yeah, only two winners this week. Uh, first of all, racing is back in the city of Indianapolis, which is a lovely thing to uh, to see and hear. And second of all, uh, IU, my alma mater, uh, requiring vaccines in the fall. I think that's a great move. All right, that'll do it for this Sunday. We'll see you next week right here in Focus.